カスタイム今次の放送はファンによるファンのためのファン放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストですこの番組はフランドスパンダーヤリクの台風の敵を日程送ります Welcome back to another Tokurific episode of Fan Holes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your changey hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I have a fellow fan hole here to switch on with me tonight. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. Yeah, so so if you haven't figured it out, we are here. We're doing our chronological coverage, our episode by episode coverage of Android Kikaida, the Tokusatsu series. And we're actually on episode 15. And the kind of brief title is Golden Bat Cursed Shadow from the Past. Of course, the original long winded Japanese title, The Shadow of the Golden Bat's Curse. And the broadcast date of This episode was October 21st, 1972. It also aired in San Francisco, California on July 23rd, 2005. And the August Ragone brief synopsis is as follows the, the high level synopsis Golden Bat approaches Mitsuko and Masaru in the form of Taro Komoji, their older brother, who was supposedly killed by Dark, but. This is a dark destructoid trick! This Taro is actually the human guise of the fearsome Golden Bat. Total spoilers, but yeah, this is the, that's, the,、uh, that's the sort of quick brief synopsis. On a level of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how surprised were you that Taro was actually evil's? Because、um, I was at like negative 1000 when I was watching、um, You know, you know, I mean. You know, he, 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 he did help the little kid in、uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon, but yeah, I, I, was, I was at negative 1000 myself. Like, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't surprised at all.、Okay. But, you know, I mean, there, there could be somebody out there that, that's never seen this, that's, that has no clue that, you know, maybe they really do think it's the brother, you know, who, who never got killed or whatever. Maybe they, they, they fell for the dark plot or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of people falling for dark plots out there, so that, that, that it could be totally possible. So, I guess for this episode, we open on Android Kikaida standing high atop a rocky precipice. And the show wastes no time jumping right to the chase. We hear 
the damnable Professor Gill flute song playing in the background. They're not wasting any damn time. So <laughs> Kakaida is no fool. He hears it too. And Kakaida leaps down from the rocky precipice and begins to combat a gaggle of dark destructoid soldiers who are, of course, Gil, 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 ing away. He works his way down a hill, defeating each soldier along the way when out of nowhere, the dark destructoid Golden Bat. I'm like, I, I, I keep thinking of you know, Gold Wolf, so it's like, you know, Urufu Golduwa, and I'm like, oh, so what is this, like, Batu Golduwa, you know, makes his appearance, and Golden Bat and Kikaida have an epic struggle that results in Golden Bat launching them both high into the sky. Ultimately, once Golden Bat is high enough, he drops Kakaida, sending him crashing to the ground in an out-and-out -out reversal of the standard episode trope, because usually Kakaida's the one sending the Dark Destructoid of the Week plummeting to his doom. So while you might think Kakaida dying at the beginning of an episode is a subversion of your expectations, it turns out this was all a test run by Golden Bat to prepare himself and his warriors for the real showdown with Android Kikaida. So Golden Bat then orders his men to dispose of the parts from the Kakaida stand-in dummy. Golden Bat, played by Mishima Kinjaki's Yukio Mihashi, is a throwback to the earlier episodes in terms of dark destructoid costume construction, which were generally created by adding segmented foam rubber pieces over track suits and topped by a helmet-like headpiece. As the series became more popular, the staff found itself with a slightly larger budget in which to spend on the making of its monsters. More and more, as the series progresses, viewers can see that the dark destructoid suits started to become huge and singular foam rubber costumes with the track suits long forgotten. So, it, do, what do you think of this one, this costume for Golden Bat? Is this, is this the larger, more expensive foam one? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Like, what do you think about it? I think the design is pretty interesting, but it doesn't seem that bat-like to me. Like, the way his... I mean, I know they're supposed to be, like, bat ears, but the way they curve up, they remind me of, like, Japanese beetles that you see in all mm. kinds of, like, different, you know, toku or anime or whatever. I, I feel like they, you know, even though they talk about how the later episodes they had more money to play with, it seems like they... I guess we'll we'll get into this, but it seems like they kind of combine aspects of the original manga's like Count Dracula form and the Golden Bat armor. Because to me, it seemed like you know Golden Bat should have bat wings, but instead he's kind of got this goofy cape, you know, like so. And I, I felt like that was kind of a little out of place. Like I don't I don't know that this is my this is my favorite. It's like it, the funny part is, and you know, maybe this is burying the lead, but I mean, I think this is a great episode. Yes. I think the 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 story is almost perfect if you want to expose someone to the Tokusatsu Kakaida series. Like this is a good. It, it's ironic. It's like the fifteenth episode, but I think it's a good starter or a good introductory episode to, to it, it, it kind of covers all the bases and not only does it cover all of them but i think it covers them all pretty well too like that it's like it's all the tropes but they're all done almost to the best of their ability but you know like i said the, on, the only thing i would say is just you know uh the suits you know not not necessarily my my favorite suit i mean i don't think this is one of the the track suits but I still don't think it's like super duper awesome looking or anything like that. 
I think this is one of the ones where we will be comparing to the the anime and the manga because Golden Bat plays a, a large role in the in the manga, and then the anime, you know, the Kikaida, the animation series also adapts, you know, kind of loosely. I mean, it's not it's not a shot for shot thing or anything like that, but. Episode six is titled Negative Fragments, and episode seven is titled Afterglow of Regret with the Kakaida the Animation anime. And he, Golden Bat, does make an appearance. And sort of as I was alluding to, you know, and we can talk about this for a little bit, but, you know, I, I don't know that the anime ever calls him Count Dracula, but the manga outright refers to Golden Bat's human form as Count Dracula. So he's he's very bat looking. He, he, he looks. I mean, it's like, I, I guess they call him Count Dracula, but then also I feel like he kind of looks like, and, you know, I don't know if, you know, you'll be amused by this or not, but he also kind of looks like the Count from Sesame Street. You know, he's got like the little <laughs> monocle and shit, and, and he's kind of like got the goofy fucking hair and everything that's all kind of pointy and shit like that. So it's like, I don't I don't know that, I mean, I, I see... I see the the Dracula connection, you know, because he's in a castle and he abducts Masuku and 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 basically the goal is, you know, he's he, you know, Professor Gill commands him to do it. And technically he's not Dracula for real. He's this android and transforms into Golden Bat. Right. And when he transforms into Golden Bat, then he looks, you know, like something out of, you know, I don't know, ultra seven or you know like he he has this kind of like golden armor and looks very animalistic and has the the bat wings and all that kind of stuff but you know i i don't know i have you i, I it might be that it's been a while since you've watched the the anime or manga but i guess going back to kind of your expectation of the tokusatsu suit and how you thought maybe it looked more like a beetle than like a bat like do you recall how golden bat looked like wh what do you think in comparison to the tokusatsu like how do you i mean like we've we've sort of you know obviously in the 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 sort of large high level synopsis like this has kind of been spoiled already and like we said we're not we're not super surprised but that you know the, the plot wise difference is you know in the anime and the manga golden bat doesn't pose as the long lost non-dead brother of the Komoji family right so but outside of that like what do you think of you know golden bat versus golden bat it's been quite a while since i read the manga and it's been it's been even longer since i watched the anime but when i saw your avatar and you 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 have an avatar of golden bat from the anime i was like oh yeah that's what he looks like just my opinion, anime uh, Golden Bat wins. He looks pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 he's pretty straightforward and kind of unique and everything. I, I I feel like like is it me like I, the, the cape almost looks like fluorescent green or something funny. Like he's <laughs> like like he's a kid like dressing up like Golden Bat or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like that's that that's that's all I'm getting at. Like I I'm not I'm not trying to you know I mean I know you know it's easy to poke holes at things that don't have a high budget and all that kind of stuff. But I mean I've always been fascinated by live action versions of you know characters from comics and manga mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm always excited to see what they manage to pull off. And even even you know we've talked about this before, but even the first time I saw there was a DVD for this and I went what? There's a live action version of Kikaida like. What, you know, I was I was so kind of just 
you know, enamored with that concept. And and to me, I mean, you know, you look at Kakaida in the Tokusatsu, and yeah, he's got like little ruffles, and he could do the Picard maneuver on the ruffles, and he's supposed <laughs> to be a robot. Like, okay, I'm very forgiving of all that. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, oh, well, that ruins the illusion, blah blah blah. It's like, no, I I saw the the mask, and you know, the mask is what sells it. It's got the lights and the flashing and all that shit. And so, I, you know, I'm 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 always enamored and fascinated fascinated with that stuff but for golden bat i'm kind of like uh well you know it you it, the funny part is i feel like they could have done it you know like i feel like you, you know what I, it makes me think of like golden bat could have been like a king joe looking thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it could have had the like accordion like legs and arms and could have mm-hmm. you know kind of been like golden and shy i don't know it just you know it just didn't seem like there there was that much put into it and everything and i i kind of find the manga like because i was looking at it because we were gonna you know talk about this episode tonight and i kind of reviewed like in in volume one of the the manga for kakaida a lot of the characters that we've already discussed in these first 14 episodes make appearances like you know the green mantis and orange ant and all this kind of stuff and towards the tail end we've got golden bat making an appearance who you know of course not to be confused with uh urufu goldu urufu wa right not to be confused with golden wolf but we've got golden bat some of the imagery in it is is quite interesting it's that whole christian westernization aspect of japan you know the the religious aspect being imported over to japan because you know you've got you've got this to me i i i'm like literal holy crosses you know like grave crosses but the golden bat uses those as missiles so it's like you see this this very gothic daredevil style you know hanging from a cross the crosses that are supposed to be in these millions of grave markers and instead it turns out they're like i mean in in the manga he's almost like you know arcade from murder world except for he's constantly putting Kikaida and all these traps and shit. So it's like, you know, one trap is like, look, it's it's grave markers, it's holy crosses, but guess what? There's missiles on the end of them. Muhuhaha, you know, and then they try to blow them up and all this bullshit. And and then there's like a sequence where it's like, you know, they try to play with the aspect of that he's a vampire-ish character. So it's like he's trying to drown Jiro in blood, but then the blood is like corrosive and acidic to, you know, injure you know, uh, uh, an android, a robotic character. So, there, you know, there's, I don't know, they tried to do all this clever stuff, but but it, it to me, it reminded me of something like, you know, Arcade locking up Wolverine in, in a room and then sticking, like, you know, boiling acid in there. You know what I mean? Like, some something like that. Like, some kind of Adam West death trap that, that Kakaida has to get out of and all that kind of stuff. He, he almost pulls a Green Goblin at the end in the manga because, you know, he ends up getting impaled by his own Holy Cross missile, you know? So it's like, oh, you know, and, 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 and it, again, it, 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 this doesn't come up too much in the tokusatsu, but the manga and the anime continually plays with the aspect of, you know, Kakaida is forced to fight his quote unquote brothers. You know, the Dark Destructoids are fellow androids that are his quote unquote brothers right and like 
they they have these parables where they talk about you know do you know the story of the bat you know it it flitted around between bird and beast trying to make peace with each as a result the pitiful creature was ostracized by both it could go out neither in the bird's day or the beast's night it could only go out in public in the twilight you know and it's like he has like funny lines where he apologizes to mitsuko because he's saying like oh i'm sorry i was a bit overzealous normally i'm such a feminist you know like like so it's like he's got these it, it it's kind of like you know how like guys like craven or doom like okay they're bad guys but they have this they have their own sense of honor or their own code or even even somebody like the terminator like like deathstroke you know they they have their code or whatever and 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 he seems to be like that too he has his own set of personal lines that he won't cross where he apologizes when he curses you know he's like oh excuse me you know i didn't mean to get so filthy you know like that kind of thing so i mean in the in the anime and the manga it's a very interesting character and and i find that kind of fascinating it's it's very different obviously in the tokusatsu as we're going to see but i you know i just thought again this is this is an opportunity for us because we don't I, I don't think it, it will happen too often, you know, that we'll be able to make these direct comparisons to the to the anime and the manga. Because, you know, the, the manga, the manga is still pretty long, but there's only so many characters that are adapted from it in the tokusatsu. And the, the anime is a bit longer, but also the number of characters that you can make these comparisons with certainly dwindles the further we get into the live action tokusatsu series but i guess continuing on with the the episode itself the tokusatsu episode elsewhere hattori hanpei is stopped in the middle of a dirt road when his green vw bug breaks down literally dressed like charlie chaplin on the way to visit the graves of his ancestors he begs his car to start working again but before hattori hanpei can get too kinky with his automobile the head of the dummy kakaida falls into his hands he goes from surprise to shock to sadness to don't touch my purse creeper in about three seconds because then he's cradling the kakaida head and he starts to like he's trying to french kiss yeah. the fucking kakaida head when he's dead so like do you understand the level of creepiness like not only is he trying to take advantage it's like he's a necrophiliac fucking pervert right because he's trying to french kiss a dead android head that's what he's doing so i'm just kind of like what and then it morphs back into a dark destructoid soldier head which he promptly kind of you know tosses right and he realizes this is merely a drone and not the actual kakaida and so he's he's afraid he's near a dark base of operations but please like so so we've seen hattori handpick go from like licking steering wheels and doing all this weird kinky ass shit but this is this is a new level that yeah. you know you, you thought maybe you thought maybe you had reached the pinnacle of fucking weird pervy bullshit but but this is he's 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 raised it to a new level you know yeah I, I was watching it and i was like why is he trying to make out with what he thinks is kakaya's severed head like what the <laughs> i don't even know anymore i mean there's there's uh, there's, there's levels and then there's yeah. there's hattori hanpei you know uh, he's, geez. he's uh he's a uh, he's a character yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I don't even know what to say about that scene. I was just like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, that's 
that, that to me seems to be a, uh, a uh, fair and, and yeah. uh, you know, a, an honest response. I mean, I think that's what most people would would have a, a response. You know, just, what? Like, what? Yeah. So after this, we, we then we cut to the interior of the dark base where a mysterious gloved figure retrieves like what looks like the fucking death note right but it's got dark secret <laughs> plans written on it from a lo locked drawer you know and suddenly an alarm goes off and remember that square-headed little goofy looking robot guy from professor gill's mm -hmm. face so he's there you know alert 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 man <laughs> you know he's like the, the 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 dude from superman too alert alert we're waiting for non to like snap his neck or whatever but anyway the the, the square-headed bot goes on alert and who I will now refer to as Japanese secret agent man hurries out of the facility with his stolen folder of secret plans. Meanwhile, Hattori Hanpei is on the lookout for this dark base. He is saying things like, oh dark, where art thou? While he is looking through a mini telescope. He is then shocked to see secret agent man has these stolen plans and he ends up commandeering his green VW bug. Hattori Hanpei runs after, cursing the car for running for thieves, but not for its owner. Despite being on the run, the secret agent man is soon surrounded by dark destructoid foot soldiers in an ambush. The secret agent man is forced to abandon the vehicle and make a run for it. But before the dark agents can get secret agent man to hand over the stolen plans, we hear the cherry red guitar of justice playing in the distance and leaping down from atop a high precipice, Jiro lands and begins to battle the dark destructoid soldiers. And at this point we see Professor Gill and he's observing the pursuit and the battle on a closed circuit TV monitor. And this actually gives an opportunity for an omniscient narrator of the show opportunity to give the basic setup of the television series for any new viewers. So they've got a narration recap that's continuing. And as that continues, Professor Gill plays his dark flute music to slow Jiro down and sends him rolling down a hill. He's unhurt, but presumably now out of the range of the dark flute music, Jiro does his patented 3-2-1 change into Android Kikaida. Kikaida then promptly kicks the shit out of the dark destructoid soldiers, while the premise of the series, his search for his amnesiac creator, Dr. Komoji, is reiterated. Prolific toy writer Masaru Igami, who wrote some of the most popular television shows of the 60s and 70s, as well as some feature films, was asked to recap the characters and situations for this episode. While this might seem odd to those with the show from the beginning, this was employed to introduce the legion of new viewers who are just tuning in to the show, giving them a quick rundown of the what's and why's of Kakaida. And I, when, I, when I saw that factoid, I was like, oh no, this is going to be like a clip show, or this is going to be something that's like super kind of boring or, mm -hmm. or just regurgitating stuff, you know, that, that I'm not going to be very compelled to watch. But I have to say, this is, this was done, it, you know, for what it was trying to do, get people up to speed, 
and 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 reiterate what the major premise of the show is and the various i guess tropes and and things that are involved in that show i think it did a really good job because you you have them fighting but then the narrator tells you things so it's like you're not you're not bored like the 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 story is still progressing but it's just it's just filling you in like just just in case this is the first time you're seeing this like let me give you a heads up the you know kakaida has a conscience circuit like you know gil tries to use the flute to you know release the conscience circuit and make him obey you know like like they're they're looking for his creator dr kamoji you know because he's amnesiac you know and 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 dark's trying to take over the world and you know like so it's like it tells you all those things but in the background it's it's a lot of fun stuff because kakaida's just punching and kicking and doing all that kind of actiony stuff i don't know how, how did you feel about this like was this was this something that bugged you or or how did you feel it was handled i i felt it was handled perfectly fine this is a really good way to do this and there's no there's no reused footage in this that i could see and like it could have been a lot worse it could have been jiro laying on a table for most of the episode with needles in his head and you know mitsuko's like you know, come on, Jiro. Don't you remember? Remember when Tasha died? Remember when we went to the <laughs> and Jiro's just like, wow, and he's got needles in his brain. Like it could, it could have been that bad, but it wasn't. It's just like you said, the story continues to progress, and we have these little, you know, burst of information for the narrator. Who, you know, like I said, if you're if you're somewhat new, it's going to be like, okay, this is Kikaida, and this is who he is, and this is, you know, this is dark, and this is what they're up to. You're like, oh, okay, it's it's unobtrusive, and it doesn't distract you or bore you or or anything. Yeah, and I I think I think the thing that's so masterful about it is it doesn't it doesn't slow down the 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 rising action or the flow of the story. You know, like like it communicates a lot of expository information and makes it perfectly clear without grinding, like you said, without strapping somebody to a chair and sticking needles, you know, without grinding everything to a halt and making it like this clip show. So I, I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm, this is to me genuinely impressive the way they did this. So we cut to Komoji returning to his family home and he comes upon a picture of his children, Mitsuko and Masaru. Of course, he doesn't recognize them because he's amnesiac. But scared that Dark is still after him, and he hears someone coming up to the household, Komoji flees, and while his children are sad when they believe their father has not returned to their home, when Mitsuko finds recent footprints, Masaru calls out for his father as Komoji runs away. So when I saw this scene, like, you see the footprints, but I was like, dude, how dirty is their house? Because that's dirt. <laughs> like, that's not dust. Like, that's yeah. friggin' dirt. Yeah, it's dirt. It's dirt. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, there, there's no Japanese maids that have been cleaning the house since Dark attacked. And, and you know, possibly there's some kind of bonsai garden in the background that tracked in the dirt. I don't know. You know, like. Ironically, the audience has never told much about Dr. Komuji's wife. The main characters never mention her, nor do we see a photograph of her in the entirety of the series. And that's interesting. And, yeah, and and uh, and that's because she's a 
dirty spy, <laughs> according to the anime and manga. You know, like that. Yeah. Like it, they, they, they don't ever go into this at all in the tokusatsu. I guess it's considered inconsequential. Like they didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to have any twists or turns or whatever. But if you if you pay attention to the manga and the anime, it they make it pretty clear that I guess Komoji had a first wife, and that's that's who. You know, Kikaida Jiro is based on the older elder brother, which was the child from the first wife that died in the car accident, right? And and then the second wife is someone that was introduced to him through Professor Gill when they were working together and everything. And and then you find out that she's been essentially reporting into Gil this whole time, even after having children with the man. So, you know, and, and, and to me, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good explanation of why that woman is no longer in their life. Right. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's their, 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 their marriage was essentially a lie and, and a betrayal of, of Komoji's trust, you know? So that's, you know, I guess that's all I need, but, um, you know, and I'll, I'll still hold it against the tokusatsu wife who we never see, because I'm just going to assume it's the same, it's the same backstory. Later that night, we can see Secret Agent Man in the dark, coming down a stairwell upon a slumbering Mitsuko and Masaru. Jiro mistakes Secret Agent Man for a dark agent and attacks him. When Mitsuko wakes up and turns on the lights, she discovers Secret Agent Man is none other than her older brother, Taro. Reunited, he agrees to help in the search for their father. Taro, Ultraman number six. <laughs> That's what always comes into my head whenever they say Taro. In the late 1960s, Yutaka Hayashi was the drummer of the Japanese pop quintet The Village Singers, and afterwards moved into playing fast-talking reporters for comedy and variety shows on NHK and Fuji Television. Hayashi's best-known takusatsu role is that of race car driver Hiroshi Jinkawa in the 1973 Toho production of Godzilla vs. Megalon. Greatest Godzilla movie ever made. <laughs> Yay. No, I, I do. I do. I, I have a... A unhealthy childhood nostalgic obsession with that movie, but yep. yeah, he, he definitely is the the race car driver in that movie. the The other thing that I I tweeted at you was all these because I didn't know about the that he was a drummer for for the band, you know, the Village Singers. So so I started tweeting at you all these uh, songs that they that they had done and everything. So I thought that was kind of interesting. At first, I was like. Uh, what's this? Derek's been hacked. He's been sending me links. And then I was like, oh, it's a YouTube thing. And I listened to it. And I was like, okay. And then when I saw these notes, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're not bad. I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of, you know, I don't know, Beach Boys-ish, poppy kind of, you know, songs. Like, I, I you know, I, I thought they were, they were pretty decent, you know. But yeah, that was something that I definitely didn't know about. I thought this was funny because when I when I was looking for those songs, I stumbled upon this interview. It's on a website, Race Cars, Drums, and Monsters, and the interview was conducted by a guy named Brett Homnick, and he's interviewing Yutaka Hayashi. And I just I found this interesting because they they 
have a few lines from the interview that I thought would be relevant to this episode. He, he's asking about the Village Singers, the pop band, and he says, the Village Singers is a pop band that I formed during my school days. Our repertoire included original songs and hits by other popular artists of those days, like the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Bee Gees, etc. We enjoyed big success with hit songs like Bara Iro no Kumu and Kurai Iro no Kami no Otome. They ask, how did you get your start in the film business? He says, after the Village Singers disbanded, according to a suggestion by a film director, I became an actor. They ask again, you appeared on the superhero program Kikaida from 1972 to 1973. What do you recall about your involvement with this television show? He says, I only have a vague memory about appearing on Kikaida. I have forgotten the details. <laughs> so, you, well, but you see, think about this. Like, like this was a job, right? Yeah, He's a working guy. And, I mean, this was probably like filming Filmation Shazam live action. Like, they probably did it in a weekend or, or even, like, Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine, like, if, you know, it's, it's like that whole thing when you look at you know people who are like oh humanity's so full of itself but if you look at humanity you know in terms of you know the 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 time stream you know from the beginning of time right you're like humanity is a little speck or you know if you look at periods of history you know it's like you know oh you know the united states has been around for 200 years compared to you know you know wh wh whatever's going on in the past has lasted for you know thousands of years or wh what have you right so i i can only imagine that this was a little speck on the timeline for yutaka hayashi so it's probably like you know matthew mcconaughey being on an episode of unsolved mysteries like it's probably so long ago to him that he barely probably even remembers that yes yes the strange industry bedroom slash laboratory in the Komuji residence with the spiral staircase is again part of the same living room set first seen in episodes 5, 7, 11, and 12. There didn't seem to be any consistency in showing the interior of the Komuji home, most likely due to the pre-home video age during this time. These shows were not meant to be scrutinized so closely, especially over 30 years later. So, they're, we're doing they're, it anyway. They're... They're, they're judging you and we're doing it anyway. Yep. You, you know what, though? Like, the, the fact that he says it's a bedroom slash lab, I mean, maybe that accounts for all the dustiness. Like, maybe maybe they were yeah. doing shit with beakers and that's a bunch of, you know, I don't know, baking soda that's fucking left over from some experiment or some shit, you know? It'd be like a layer of sawdust and a layer yeah. of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. I guess it's an easy... Uh, no prize. Oh. Right, 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 right. So Jiro and Taru speak alone while Taro attempts to convince Jiro he is, quote unquote, the real deal. Mitsuku interrupts, chastising them both, and uses the stolen dark secret plans as evidence that Taro must be the real thing. Dark has a new android that will supposedly be shipped out from Tokyo Pier. Masaru asks Jiro to help his older brother Taro. Jiro then offers his hand to Taro in friendship and agrees to assist him. And in the Kakaida wiki, they, they point this out as being a, a era in terms of, I guess, Jiro's abilities. You know, they're kind of saying if Jiro can identify dark destructoids using his powers, he should have he should have used this on, you know, Taro just to be sure. Of course, you know, 
we don't necessarily know that he hasn't used it, you know, like technically, right? He may have, I mean, he may just be like playing along. He doesn't want to hurt yeah. Michiko and Matsuru's feelings, especially since the way we see him react, he kind of just goes off on his own eventually. And he, he definitely, you know, he, the, the expression on his face before he leaves, like he's definitely like, okay, well, I kind of feel like the odd man out here. Like, you know, I'm the, I'm the fourth wheel. I'm not part of this family. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, later for you guys. And I mean, I guess, I guess there's that aspect where he was, he was created. He was designed to be a replacement leg on a table. But, you know, in, in some sense, if this was a legitimate return of an older brother, then it's kind of like, well, we don't need that replacement leg. We have the actual leg, you know what I mean? So, so there, there, there's also that aspect to it as well. Everybody, Magnus here. In 1992, seven men disrupted the comic book industry. And it was awesome. It's hard to find a comic book publisher that launched with more anticipation, excitement, and hype than Image Comics did. Now me, I love Image Comics. So much, in fact, that beginning in March of 2020, I'm embarking upon a brand new epic mega-series. These seven men are disrupting the comic book industry. I'm taking a fond look back at a handful of early image titles. What was good? What was bad? What were some missed opportunities? Well, things couldn't have been too horrible because those comics sold millions and millions of copies. So. Join in on the fun with me and take a fond look back at the comics of yesteryear. These seven men are disrupting the comic book industry. A Trennis Magnus Punches Reality mega-series beginning in March of 2020. Only at TwoTrueFreaks.com And then, of course, this this was a brief commercial tag break on this one. It didn't it didn't exactly uh, you know there, there wasn't a bunch of eye catch stuff or anything like that. It kind of immediately goes from the assistants to the Tokyo Pier and a dark truck arriving, and uh, it basically it arrives at the pier and believing that Taro is telling the truth, Jiro tells him he's going to tackle Dark alone. Playing his cherry red guitar actually gets interrupted when Taro is attacked by dark destructoid soldiers. Taro tells Jiro to destroy the crate and ends up screaming off camera. Then, Dark Destructoid, Golden Bat, erupts from the crate, challenging Jiro. Dragging Jiro by his feet up into the ceiling of the warehouse, Professor Gill's devil flute plays as Golden Bat swings Jiro back and forth, preventing his chain. However, Golden Bat makes a quote-unquote grave mistake, and the quote-unquote wind, while swooshing Jiro back and forth in a warehouse, mind you, shields his ears from the devil flute music. Whatever. Jiro lands, does the three, two, one, change into Kakaida, and Kakaida rockets off. 
Jiro then returns with a wounded Taro, and Mitsuku and Masaru accuse Jiro of harboring inner doubt about Taro's intentions. Jiro abruptly decides he's going to take a nap because fuck you guys. <laughs> because of the sudden reunion of siblings Taro, Mitsuko, and Masaru, Jiro feels like a third wheel and goes down to the riverside to play his guitar in solitude. Later, when accused of letting Taro become injured by the dark, Jiro excuses himself to take a nap. Taro Komuji was originally planned as Ichiro Komuji, but was nixed when Ishimori wanted the name for the human guise of Kakaida 01 in his tragic manga version of Jinzo Ningen Kakaida, basically brought to life as Kakaida animation. Yeah, so Ichiro, that would have been first son, but yeah, they, they changed it to Taro here. And, well, I mean, you know, I to me, I guess I posed the same question to you that you did to me about Golden Bat. Like, I mean, was there about a, you know, negative 1000% that you thought Jiro was actually going off to take a nap or, you know? I mean, I, I, I kind of figured, hey, this is a this is a setup, but you know, yeah. I mean, like, know. wait, uh, I don't think so. He's a robot. He's a Jinzo Ningen. He doesn't need to take a nap. Yeah, he doesn't need no nap, right? What is, what does a Kakaida need with a nap? You know, <laughs> like that's 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 kind of you know obviously. Wait, wait, do Kakaidas dream of electric sheep? Yeah, I, I don't know. It depends on their. It depends on if they have spare parts or a conscience circuit in their guitar or whatever, right? Then Taro's like, "Too bad she won't live." <laughs> but then again, who does? I guess, like, I don't know. Like, like the, 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 this is the. You know, the, at least they. You know, I, I. The reason why I say that this is a. Uh, a, a well-written episode and includes a lot of the tropes i mean at least they do make an attempt to explain why the devil flute music works when it does and 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 introduce some reasoning of why it stops working so that he can change so i i appreciate that in terms of effort uh, i kind of think again you know mitsuku and masaru like you know for the purposes of the story, they kind of, you know, I guess your your no prize is that they are so emotional. You know, they're they're not thinking of this logically or or factually. You know, they're 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 caught up in the moment, so they're you know quick to sort of turn on. Jiro, right? When he brings back their brother, all wounded, especially because they've already sort of suffered that loss once you know so to speak so that that's your no prize you know but then you know there's that part of you that's like you know i'm gonna go take a nap because fuck you guys because it's like come on man like dude's been like looking out for you this whole time and then you don't you kind of don't trust them you're kind of like i don't know you know what what do you think about that i i would have liked that scene to have been maybe just a minute or two longer and draw more drama out of it. Like maybe even have Jiro like not get angry, but maybe just lose his patience with mm. them because of, you know, like you said, he's been watching out for them this whole time and he's clearly, you know, 
he's got some suspicions. He's not, you know, he's not fully on board with him, whereas they are. So I don't know. Would, and then, would you would you have wanted him to be more overtly jelly, like like kind of throw some shade about am I being replaced or you don't need me anymore type thing, or just maybe, you, or do you just mean like losing patience in the sense of come on, you should you should you know listen to me because I'm just trying to keep you safe type losing patience. Yeah, I mean it works. It works fine just the way it is. So sometimes it's better to just do that sort of thing internally and just have it be like a look and he goes off on his own and he's mm-hmm. you know you could like you can tell just from that like he's you know he's sad he feels left out yeah. right you can you can leave it open to to some semblance of interpretation so then taro wakes and tricks masuko because we didn't see that coming into telling him that the schematic for jiro's conscience circuit is hidden within his cherry red guitar Taro sneaks in on Jiro during his quote-unquote nap and removes the schematic from the cherry red guitar and begins to operate on Jiro's conscience circuit. When Mitsuku and Masaru walk in on quote-unquote Taro about to destroy the quote-unquote meddlesome conscience circuit, Mitsuko gasps. This is not their real brother. This is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful house. He breaks the conscience circuit and laughs as he transforms into Rufu Goldu Bat. <laughs> Golden Bat. He plans to use Mitsuku and Masaru to lure out Kamoji now that Jiro is out of the picture. However, we then hear the cherry red guitar of justice play. Jiro is perfectly fine. How can this be? Golden Bat screams. Jiro's nap was just a ploy, and he changed out the schematic so all Golden Bat destroyed were spare parts. Jiro transforms to Kakaida as Golden Bat leaps off with Masuku atop a house in the daytime now. Golden Bat throws her from the roof, but Kakaida is there to catch her. Kakaida's rocket boots let him keep pace with the flying Golden Bat. The pursuit continues to the pier, where Kakaida fights off dark destructoid soldiers. Kakaida tosses them off bridges, kicks punches, and throws them over his shoulders. Kakaida tells Golden Bat he is despicable for using Matsuku and Masaru's love for their dead brother against him. Golden Bat is unfazed. Who cares? Whatever works, he retorts as he teleports away. When Kakaida follows, Golden Bat uses his Bat Flash technique which temporarily blinds Kakaida. Unable to see, Kakaida is thrown to the ground by Golden Bat. Luckily, Kakaida, like a cat, lands on his feet. Golden Bat then turns to his finishing move from the opening of the episode, flying Kakaida high into the sky. However, Kakaida breaks free of his chokehold, sending Golden Bat to the ground. Kakaida then uses his double chomp, giant swing, and finally, the end, to destroy Golden Bat once and for all. With a hearty, scumbag, you got what you deserve. Kakaida is victorious. Matsuku and Masaru call out for Jiro on the Tokyo Pier, admitting, we were wrong. But Jiro is already on the road with his yellow sidecar, because fuck you guys. But yeah, that's 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 pretty much the episode. I like this. Like, this is, I, and again, the, the, the reason why I think this works is, this is a fun fight, and, and it, it, it covers all the tropes, like the, the, the Dark Destructoid has certain techniques that impede Kakaida from destroying him, but when the time comes, they go through all of Kakaida's special moves. I love that 
the golden bats like whatever like you know like like he kind of is like you know kind of telling him like you're 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 vile you're despicable like i can't believe you did that and the villain of course is a villain so he's like yeah who cares like whatever like so what like that 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 was what i wanted to do and 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 of course i love at the end where after he blows him up and defeats him he's still calling him a scumbag you know so it's like you get it's like you know what you get marty you get what you fucking deserve and kind of throws him down the fucking the hill and it blows up and all that stuff but yeah i i um I, I i'm i'm just you know i said it at the beginning and i'm gonna say it at the end here but this i think is is almost a perfect introductory or perfect encapsulation maybe is is the best way to put it of of a standard tokusatsu kakaida episode like i think very well written for for you know the purposes of this series covers all the bases and covers them well it did kind of make me laugh though all the like super jumping they were doing because it's like okay they're fighting in the house and it's it looks like it's dark outside and then yeah. it's like okay we're outside on the roof it's daylight okay now well, we're yeah, jumping. and like, then they jump like to a... the pier and then they're fighting at the pier, and then it's like they're fighting at some kind of like industrial place where like some kind of like you know there's like piles of rocks or something. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> well, I know. Of course, you have to keep in mind. You know, yeah, it's the yeah, same same tired thing. Like they can only set off the explosions like somewhere remotely and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the the part that's the funniest is well, if he's taking a nap, like it's like. You can take a nap during the day, but it did really look like he was like, I'm I'm calling it a night, guys. I'm going to bed. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's daytime, you know, so. But yeah, I like this episode. Uh, like you said, I think this is a good introduction, especially, you know, it's it feels like it's very much designed to be that way. You know, the way it was written with that kind of narrative giving you some dialogue uh, there i guess the only thing i would have liked was just a little bit more drama there and maybe since it's an introduction or i guess reintroduction maybe just a little bit more with uh professor gill i mean we got yeah, to see him yeah. we got to see him playing this flute we got some you know we got a little information about him but if you're like new you maybe would have wanted a little bit more about professor gill but that's i don't know that's probably like a minor nitpick or something yeah yeah no no no. but i mean i i i uh i acknowledge your point you know like i wonder if i wonder if they didn't have access to him too you know because mm -hmm. because that that's something where it's like he kind of comes in he plays the flute but you notice there's there's no lines he's not he's not monologuing like he yeah. was in earlier episodes and talking to the camera and doing all that kind of stuff or even even commanding anyway it's not like he it's not like he's the one going you know golden bat you must go and pretend to be the brother you know like that that's the one part of the trope that maybe isn't in this episode the 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 sequence where gill would be kind of giving out some of the marching orders and the the destructor might like nod his head or salute or you know acknowledge those orders or whatever so yeah that's i mean that's a good point i think but you know again it's not it's not a deal breaker but but i mean that's a pretty valid comment that the the trope of of gill you know, and 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 what Gil does, like that's not hammered out quite so much. Aside from, you know, he plays the flute and it fucks with Kakaida's head. You know, like. And also, I didn't mention it, but I mean, come on, like Golden Bat made a fatal mistake in the wind. I was like, oh, come on, the wind. 
I'm sorry, but that's in, that's in one his, of the more lame like outs in, they've had. In in his zeal, <laughs> Lord Vader, in your zeal, you for overlooked the winds. No, you know. Oh uh, well. But yeah, oh. this is a good episode. I I, I I think I would argue that it works with the trope because the, I'd say 90% of these excuses of why the devil's yeah. truth doesn't work are lame. Like, there, I think there's only been, like, like one or two where you're like, oh, that totally, you know, oh, he's submerged underwater. Like, ah, yes, that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, uh, Kaida has uh, uh, snow, snow earmuffs on his head <laughs> from the cold. And you're like, ah, yes, that makes <laughs> sense. But meanwhile, most of the, it's like, uh, meanwhile, a fly was buzzing by playing uh, Motley Crue, and then it interrupted <laughs> the, the devil flute. And you're like, mm, I don't know if I'd buy that, but okay. And then Masaru and Hattori burped at the same time, canceling <laughs> out the devil flute. <laughs> okay. It was it was a stereo burp, so it totally canceled out the devil flute. Yes, yes, absolutely. No, but this is this is good. I mean, I I had a fun time. This is a you know, again, we're, we're probably not going to have too many episodes that deal with the, the manga and the anime, you know, in terms of comparison. But this is this is one of those special ones. And, and I, I'm going to pat myself on the back because it's been a long time since we did one of these episodes. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to uh, find all my notes, but I did. And they were they were well taken notes. So it was super easy for me to sort of revisit the, the manga and the anime as well. So I'm like, yay me. Uh, you know, so. Episode 16 coming soon, as long as we're not all dead. By the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 on the way. I mean, dude, who who knows? By now, we might all be celebrating in the streets because because uh, the, there's a vaccine and, and all kinds of stuff. You know. So, all right. Well, if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to send us a list of clever ways that the devil flute can be. Obs, ob, obfuscated is that is that how you say that I, I always mess that up obfuscated. Ob, obfuscated if you want to send us emails about how the devil flute can be obfuscated you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you want to listen to the backlog of episodes of toku thursdays you can check them out on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com we talk about kakaida we also you know we've talked about ultraman and godzilla and of course common writer gaim is one of the shows that we've we've covered almost comprehensively we talk about other common writer stuff too so you know there's uh ultra q and 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 all kinds of fun stuff so if you dig tokusatsu this is the place come on down give us a listen i mean i assume you already are because you're listening to this but yeah so so you can check out all the backlog of episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com we're on all kinds of social media we're on tumblr twitter instagram facebook we appreciate all the likes hearts shares and retweets that we receive we can be streamed we're on apple podcasts we're on stitcher radio google play and spotify and until the next time this is going to be derek derek wc switching off and this is Taro, Ultraman number six, signing off.
Goldu Rufu Bat. Goldu Batosai. I know that's I know that's wrong, but Batosai. Uh, 